about death is uncomfortable. We think if we don't talk about it, it won't happen. Sadly, this isn't true. It's the only thing in life that we can be certain about. And because we don't talk about it, often we don't know what to do when we experience the death of a loved one. My name is Fiona Garvin and this is Deadly Serious Conversations. I'll be talking to a range of people who will share their knowledge and experience so we can learn how to make dying part of living. In this episode of the podcast, I chat to Lisa Oshlak from Moving On. One of the many services that Moving On provides is helping families take care of the daunting task of organising personal belongings after someone has died. And Lisa offers some great suggestions on how to alleviate the emotional challenge of this task. Thank you, Lisa so much for joining us today. I know for many of the families that I speak to, they often feel very overwhelmed at the thought of sorting out all of their loved one's belongings. And dealing with the death of someone is pretty challenging and sorting out all of their belongings is a pretty big job too. I know when we experience the death of a loved one in our family, it's almost like you want to leave everything the way it was and and press pause. It's a very emotional walking into someone's property when they're no longer there and just feeling overwhelmed about where to start. So uh, when would you suggest that you start the process of starting to think about sorting everything out? So very good question. And often people leave it till they just keep putting things off and that isn't going to help the person either come back or the possessions move out the door. So my answer to that is the earlier, the better. If you're lucky enough to have the opportunity with somebody that is slowly passing, then you have more options to sort of, you know, bring the conversation to to light. The earlier you can get sorting, the better. The earlier you can get the family even discussing it, the better. Often people make the mistake of leaving it till it's too late or wishing they could ask questions to their loved one and the person's either passed or in the final stages pre-passing. So Christmas lunch, birthday lunches, but family actually celebratory occasions can actually be a really nice way to discuss, hey, grandma, or hey, mom, or hey, dad, you know, I love that dinner set, or just starting to have conversations about things in someone's home well before they've passed is actually a pleasurable conversation than a morbid conversation. So the answer is the earlier, the better. Yeah. And after they pass away, then Lisa, like, would you say, give yourself some time and have a few weeks or a few days before starting to think about gathering up all of those possessions afterwards? Uh, what, what I've found over the last 16 years is every family is so different. Some people financially need to put the place on the market and have it sold as soon as possible. Some, so it very much depends. And if you have the luxury of time, then I think it's very important that you acknowledge the gr- that grieving is a process. and you getting the family together may may be challenging having you know zoom meetings at the family's home so it's a very personal way on how you deal with the possessions so if you need to sell or rent out the property for financial reasons that would limit your time for somebody else that might have the luxury of time then you're going to give yourself a little bit of time to actually 
um, appreciate where you're at and understand where you're at in the grieving process before you walk in having to start to put your loved one's goods into boxes and get them carted out the door. Yeah, everyone's grief journey is very personal and, and very different. So I, I suspect yeah, it's the same sort of thing. Just allow yourself time and be gentle with yourself and don't put any pressure to make big decisions around that straight away. Yeah, something I do find myself saying to people often at whichever stage in the process they're in is that keeping someone's possessions aren't going to make the person come back. So not addressing the tangible items are not necessarily going to be harder or easier earlier or later. It's just part of something that, you know, we live, we die and we have goods and then we have to let go of those goods. Um, So it's just part of the journey. But some people make the mistake of waiting years and that can actually bring you backwards in your grief process. Other people rush it and within one week they just want nothing around and then they've rushed it and then they've thought, hang on, should have, could have, would have and then it's too late. So I think just exhaling and breathing and understanding that it is a process and not something that happens overnight um, to deal with, that that's also important to acknowledge. Yeah. And I imagine, Lisa, you know, if someone has lived in the same property for 50 years or potentially more, how or where do you even begin to sort to declutter a lifetime of belongings? So I guess the first pro- the first stage is finding out what immediate family or friends want or are beneficiaries of. Um, But I always say one drawer at a time, one room at a time, one cupboard at a time, just stay focused in the same room until you've actually achieved what you wanted to in that room. And otherwise it can be very overwhelming if you do one cupboard in each room, you sort of don't feel like you've made any um, progress. So really sticking to trying to complete a room, it's actually quite much more cathartic and more satisfying. Yes. What are some of the the challenges that people face when they begin sorting everything out? Big challenge is who gets what? When it's not necessarily something um, of great financial value and it hasn't been itemised in a will, often the little clown ornament on the mantelpiece you know, two, two children might want or two grandchildren may want. And those sort of things can become quite tricky because, you know, it's not a, a financial reason, it's a sentimental reason. So people do face a situation where more than one person wants one item. Other, another big thing we see is when nobody wants the items and they're not saleable, um, you know, and people find it really hard. Well, you know, mum had this for 50 years. They feel like somebody else, it should live on. And that's where companies like Moving On come in, where we look at ways if a family don't want it and it can't be sold, then what's the next best, you know, placement for those items, you know, short of landfill unless it's very pre-loved. So it's people coming to terms with that they might not want it and no one else might want it either and it might not be saleable. So they're they're there and then the grief process comes back up, oh, mum would have liked us to do this and that and... And it's people trying to wonder what their parents would have liked them to honour, but without really knowing what the answer to the question, you know, what the answer to their thoughts are. Yes. Yeah, it's those sentimental things that are hard to let go of more than things that are can be sold. And, and what would you suggest that you do with the items that that no one wants to keep? Like, would you give them to charity or try and mm-hmm. is there any sort of suggestions about what you can do? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, if family don't want things, then the ideal way is to look and try and sell it, whether it be through auction house, 
Gumtree, eBay, buy, swap, sell, free cycle. Try and that can also be quite cathartic if people have the luxury of time to, uh, to put things on a site and that somebody that really wants that item will then come and collect it. Sometimes when you put a price to something, even if it's $10, um, it's, there's a sign that somebody really has a vested interest in, in coming actually to pick it up rather than saying they will and not showing up. So finding new homes and rehousing and actually being able to hand over that lovely item or that lovely piece of furniture to someone that's then gonna continue to love it can also help with the grief process of letting go. And then charities, look, during this time of COVID, everything's been turned upside down, as we all know, and that includes what charities are able to receive and the volume of charities that have started receiving more goods than they ordinarily would have because everyone's at home now and working from home and doing all sorts of things. So they have to actually declutter their own homes to function in their homes. Therefore, the charities are inundated. So what the biggest struggle now is finding new homes for the items. So even on a free cycle website would be at this stage, a very nice way to be able to part with things or ringing your local charity shop and seeing what they will and won't accept before you fill your car up, get there and they say, sorry, we can't accept the goods. Yeah, just making a few calls to see who wants what. I think during COVID, it's highlighted to many of us how much stuff we actually have gathered over the years. Yeah, you know, so we all have a lot of things and a lot of belongings. And do we need it all is the big question. Big question. And usually less is more. Yeah. And you sort of mentioned there about those sentimental items. Is there any sort of way to decide if there's more than one person wants to feels that they would like to hold on to something? You know, is there any sort of way that we can sort of help or suggest that who decides who gets what of those personal items? Absolutely, there is. My best suggestion is making a coffee table book. So photographing as much as you can through the property from, you know, the way the room looks when the way your family kept it or the um, just the small item or the old heater that's sitting in the corner that you used to remember as a child sitting by and getting warm or there's, you could literally photograph so many things through the house from small details to big details and make the whole family a coffee table book. And that's a sentimental and the front cover is, you know, the address of the property. And then inside you can go to town with as many or as few photos as you want. And that can also, then you get to share everything with everybody in the family. That's if your family are on great terms. There's a lot of families that, you know, have some issues and sometimes things come down to a war between the items. So we work quite closely with, with solicitors when it comes to families actually having major issues with certain items, where sometimes getting a financial value on the piece that it might not really have a big value, but someone might say, actually, well, when you can monetize certain things and then, because sentimental is sentimental, but sometimes it has a monetary value too. So if you monetize it, then there might be one family member that says, okay, well, you have this and I'll have that. Negotiating, if you don't have to call a solicitor in and you don't have to call a mediator in, then you're one step ahead of a lot of other people. But it's not easy when it comes to, to people's possessions and the way you felt about it. That's why having the conversation prior to someone passing, especially if you have a situation in the family where not everybody sees eye to eye about things anyway, it's really good to get an understanding from the loved one what their intentions are with certain things. 
um, because that can help alleviate all the problems post death. Yeah. And just with some of those, I don't know if you've ever seen it, Lisa, I've seen it in some houses where, you know, say, for example, dad had lots of shirts and I've seen a lovely lady who's made those shirts into cushions for everybody in the family. Amazing, Isn't it beautiful? Lovely. Creative ideas to do lovely things for people to hold on to and to give it another purpose as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I guess also the same with photo albums. You can make collages for the family. You don't have to keep the album or someone else's travel venture might not be yours, but creating something artistic. Um, There's so many different things depending on how creative people are. But there's also, there are some amazing charities around, especially not for the big furniture so much at the moment, but just there's so many people that have fallen on hard times. So if your father had an amazing collection of, you know, suits and jackets and things, there are charities that really love, you know, to be able to help people through their hard times. But it's the everyday stuff that seems to be getting harder to to part with, uh, to sort of dispose of or to move on to someone would appreciate it. But, yeah, getting creative is great. Keeping things for the children and grandchildren in case they're creative one day, you know, absolutely. Yeah. There are certain things worth keeping. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, you know, bringing up the conversation, Lisa, I am at a more happy occasion about getting an idea about what someone's wishes may be and how beneficial that would be to avoid unnecessary stress and arguments down the line. Is there any particular way that you can bring up the conversation or start that conversation or any advice around that? I've seen a lot. I haven't read it. Perhaps you have about the the popular book that's out at the moment. It's on the shelves in the in the shops called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning by Margrethe yes. Magnusson. Yes. That sounds like a lovely concept of, you know, introducing the idea of putting your life in order so that your loved ones don't have to. So maybe that's a a way to start the conversation with that book or is there any other suggestions? Absolutely. I'm seeing more and more over the years, the shift changing to people. If, If a family member don't broach the subject, the chances are the person that is the elderly person may not even consider you know, having that conversation. Um, they don't want to upset the family and what have you. So either the the best way to approach it would be the everyone discussing it prior to that joyous occasion that you're going to get together for and actually nominate one of the family members to bring it up. But if everyone's on the same team that it's a nice idea to approach the subject, then it can be a joyous conversation, not a morbid one. So, you know, hey, Gran or hey, Mom, you know, why don't we just... You know, after lunch today, I'd love to have a look at a few things on your shelf that I would really love one day. Because the reality is everyone, as you're getting older, we know we're not going to live forever. We know we're going to pass. And somebody just needs to be brave and get the conversation going. And the more people I hear feedback from, the more it's actually a very bonding conversation, even if the person's not sick. It's actually, you know, if grandma had, you know, a cupboard full of stuff that she's no longer using, the joy for her to pass them on even while she's alive is unbelievable. I mean, what a gift for her to be able to give and watch the joy and then maybe visit for lunch and eat off the dinner plates that she's given to the family member. So instead of thinking about it, oh, we're clearing out mum's house or grandma's house or grandpa's house, it isn't like that. There actually is joy in giving. 
um, you know, they've had joy in having it. If they're not using it, it's collecting dust. Well, you know, bring it up. There's, there might be three spare rooms in the house full of stuff that are collecting dust or doing nothing or an old sewing machine. And, you know, a grandchild might want to start sewing. So if you don't bring up the subject, it's it just, it just getting the ball rolling and making it a fun, interesting conversation. So long as the family are on the same team, you don't want to bring it up if the family are already having issues, then you don't want the lunch to turn into an argument. Having the conversation prior to the lunch, bringing it up and just seeing where it goes, touching the surface and just letting it evolve. Yeah. And often people, I don't know if you find this, but people have this fear of talking about death and the implications of it and what happens if someone's not here. Just by bringing up the conversation doesn't mean it's going to happen straight away or it's just good to have an idea about what people's wishes are before it's too late. Absolutely. And people, as we know, die at any age. So actually, I mean, I, I think it's wonderful to, an important part of living is to talk about dying and there are fears around it but the only way to crack open fears is actually by communicating and you know your possessions are going to walk out the door when you've passed so why not watch them walk out the door before you pass if you're not using them yeah giving it with joy and and seeing the joy that someone feels when they receive it as well absolutely absolutely big changes for everyone in the family can happen yeah Oh, Lisa, thank you so much for, for sharing your, your wisdom and, and your experience with us today. The big question is, are you a tea or a coffee drinker? Uh-huh. <laughs> I drink both. One tea, one coffee every day. Oh, but only I, do, one. I can't live without my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and is there an order? Is it coffee first and tea in the afternoon or vice versa? Uh, usually tea first, first, and then coffee. Uh, I I love my coffee from my local coffee shop. Fantastic. Well, I, I really appreciate you sharing your, your wisdom and with us today. And I'm sure many of the listeners will. Yeah, this is a conversation that will prompt a lot of people to think about going forward. So thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much. Lovely chatting with you.